under a blazing sun of good sportsmanship and bad, and sometimes, believe it or not, of love. But when Olive Trent came home that afternoon from visiting a friend in the hospital, a friend who was radiant over a new baby, she didn't realize that she was on the way to taking up golf. She went briskly into the living room and stopped short for her father, a prominent surgeon, was deep in conversation with the handsomest young man he's ever seen. He grinned at her and... Oh, hello, Ollie. Where have you been? I'll tell you what. See, Jim stopped me baby. Uh, the baby I didn't deliver. It was very nearly born in a taxi cab, Dwight. Well, does it come up to her last one, Ollie? Well, it's sweet, but um, it lacks your touch. Oh, that's my girl. Oh, by the way, Dwight, this is my daughter, Ollie. Olive Dwight Ferris. He's my healthiest ex-patient. That I am since you yanked out that cranky appendix. Hi, Miss Trent. Hello. Dwight here was just saying uh, I should take up golf. He's quite a whiz at it, but uh, I told him you can't teach an old dog new tricks. I'll stick to gin, cribbage, and surgery. Golf's a grand game, Miss Trent. Do you play? Well, no, but I, um, I've been thinking of taking it up before long. Uh, you wouldn't have time for golf, honey. But with running the house and shouldering the assorted problems with an army of helpless friends, you're full up. Yeah, she's been completely in charge of our home since her mother died, Dwight. She's only 16, then. Oh, now, and... Daddy, don't. I've got plenty of time. Oh, where, where do you play, Mr. Ferris? At Alder Creek. That's only a few miles from here. I'll uh, put you up, you say the word. Oh, I wish you would, Daddy. You, you can give me an Alder Creek membership for my birthday. Well, I think you must be out of your mind. You said you wanted a roadster for your birthday, and I was seriously considering it. Oh, golf will be much better for than a car, Dr. Trent. And uh, she has to build for it. Tall, slender, broad shoulders. It's a deal, then, Miss Trent. I'll put you up at the next meeting. And uh, after that, I'll be seeing quite a lot of you on the course. So Olive Trent took up golf. Not because she'd ever thought much about it, but because blindly and at first sight, she'd fallen in love with Dwight Ferris. She took regular and diligent lessons from Tony Martinez, the pro. She tried hard to grasp the essentials of the game. She saw Dwight, as promised, on the court. They waved from a distance of 200 yards every so often, but that was as far as it went. She earned the adoration of a little lad named Stubby, who carried at the club. One day when he was waiting for her, the pro took him to task. Well, you lose time hanging around Stubby, waiting to caddy for Miss Trent. And she always says thank you when I do anything for her. Yeah, lots of other women are bigger tippers. And she never tries to over-tip. 
when I find an extra ball, he pays me what it's worth. Lots of kids build up quite a bankroll finding balls. So what? She don't lose her temper when she makes a bad shot. And she don't cheat on her score, like some I might mention. <laughs> Must be love. How old are you, Stubby? I'm 12, but I'm small for my age. Yeah, I'd have given you nine at the top. Oh, hi, Miss Ferris. Morning, Tony. I say, Miss Ferris. Sure is. You want to go around with me, Stubby? I'm sorry, Mr. Ferris, but I'm booked up. Miss Trent called. She said to be out in about 15 minutes or so. Trent? Oh, yeah. Uh, how's she doing? And not so hot. Well, I think she's doing fine. <laughs> Miss Trent is Stubby's big crutch. Uh, Pete can go around with you, Mr. Ferris. Okay. Well, I'll forgive you, Stubby, for letting me down. <laughs> when a woman gets a hold on you. What does he mean, gets a hold of me? Miss Trent's top. Yeah, but she's not much of a looker. Straight hair and big mouth. She is too a good looker. She's got a swell smile, and her eyes are beautiful. Yeah, you've done it bad, kid. Here she comes now. Uh, afternoon, Miss Trent. Oh, hi, Tony. Hi, Stubby. Well, now, how, how'd the pace work out? Well, they were wicked, Miss Trent. I made a picture with them. The view from the 11th tee. I'll get it for you. And while you're putting on your shoes. Yeah, that kid's going to be an artist someday. He's always making sketches of the caddy. Nice lad, too. Oh, he's crazy about you. Well, I'm glad someone's crazy about me. Even if it's only a little boy. In just a moment, Betty Davis will be back again. But first... Now that Social Security taxes are being deducted from service pay, military time back to 1951 can be credited toward both military and Social Security retirement. This changes the old law that generally prevented the crediting of service time to more than one of these retirement systems. Military service back to 1951 can be credited both ways, even though servicemen didn't begin paying for Social Security until January of 57. That means the serviceman who's been on duty since 51 gets six years of free Social Security credit. There's one requirement, however, for getting Social Security credit for active service time in this free period. You must have put in some active duty since January of 1957. Thanks to this free Social Security credit, servicemen will find it easier to meet the requirements of becoming insured under Social Security. Have you investigated your Social Security benefits? And now, back to our story with Betty Davis. It was a nice day, June weather. You can't beat it for golfing. We started out from the caddy house, Miss Trent and Stubby. Miss Trent teed up and made a pretty fair drive. Someday you'll be a real neat golfer, Miss Tramp. Honest and truly. Oh, I wish I could justify your faith in me, Stubby. Hey, did I see Dwight Sarasen signing in? Yes, sir. He's just a couple of holes ahead of us. He gets some real cool shots. Oh, he's wonderful. Not only on the golf course, but he is heaven's gift to women. I'll bet he'll play 36 holes today. Do you... Well, do you sort of admire him, Miss Tramp? <laughs> he doesn't. I 
took up golf because I thought... I mean, I hope. Oh, sometimes, Stubby, I wish I'd never seen a brassy or a number two iron or a sandblaster or a putter or... Oh, it's so frustrating to play as badly as I do. A plain girl yearning for a man who could have any girl at all. Olive Trent was off her game that day, and Stubby knew why. She couldn't keep her eyes away from the broad-shouldered, handsome young man who holds her head. But when he went out of sight, saying fast and furiously, things were better. And when they were coming back to the clubhouse in the gloaming... Think I'll ever break a hundred and nine holes, Stubby? You'll do 18 and a hundred before the season's over. Oh, thank you kindly, Stubby. Oh, it's Dwight Sarris on the 17th stream. Uh, who's the blonde with him, Stubby? Well, that's Miss Floyd Gifford. Mr. Ferris has been giving her a big rush. What can he see in her, Miss Trent? There's no justice in the world. Tony Martini says she uses frostbite on her hair. Well, if she does, Stubby, she makes a good job of it. Well, put the bags in the car, Stubby. If I had any sense, I'd give up this spirit-breaking game. Oh, what's what's uh, going on over there by the putting green? Must have been an accident. I'll run and find out. I'll be right back. Olive was standing in the park when Dwight Ferris and his companion caught up with her. Dwight introduced the two girls, and Olive admitted, mentally and with a sinking heart, that the blonde was even prettier close-up than she was from a distance. She was glad when Stubby came trotting back. The man just had a heart attack, Miss Trent. He's in bad shape. Your father stopped to pick you up, and he's taken over. Well, it's lucky you came when he did. Know who it is, Stubby? Yes, Mr. Ferris. His name's Mr. Parnell. Oh, goodness. John Parnell has a wife and a, and a 14-year-old son. Yeah, Neil. He chatting here sometimes. Yeah, I, I know he does. Well, if you folks will excuse me, I'll see if there's anything I can do to help. But tell your dad I'm here if he needs me. Olive joined her father. She stood with him beside the unconscious man, staring down through a mist of tears. She was a doctor's daughter. She didn't need her father's little shrug and the tightness of his mouth to tell her that John Parnell was beyond human help. She went directly from the clubhouse to the Parnell's home. And when she next appeared on the court, she played very badly. It was unfortunate that Dwight Ferris and the blonde were just behind her. She asked them to go through, but... No, we don't mind waiting. And you're all alone, so you can play faster than we do. Oh, thanks, thanks a lot. That was a nice straight, Miss Trent. Well, didn't go very far. <laughs> I guess I'm out of practice. <laughs> Don't get discouraged. It's all part of the game. All uh, part of the game. Yes. Well, come on, Stubby. Okay, Miss Trent. You'd better use your seven here. You're in the tall grass. That's Sarah's in the 
wished if they'd have their heads together. I think they're talking about the horrible drive I made. No, Miss Gilbert's always fishing for compliments, as usual. Well, I'll show them. Here, give me that seven, Stubby. A nice one, Miss Trent. I wish, I wish Mr. Ferris would play with you sometime. You and me both. She was watching me the way a cat watches a mouse. Well, you don't much watching me. Well, it's a good thing Mr. Ferris isn't watching. Oh, if we could only get far enough ahead, I, I wouldn't be so nervous. Even Tony Martini has his good days and his bad days. That's a nice sweater you're wearing, Miss Trent. It makes your eyes look like the smoke when they're burning leaves in November. Well, that's a very pretty compliment. Uh, you, uh, keeping my score, study? Well, if you'd rather I didn't... No, 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 no. I'll take my punishment. Have we left them behind? Yeah. They're taking it kind of easy. Oh, I could only get one good drive, study. Just one. Well, you get a good drive, all right, if you don't hurry it. We're coming up to the six. I like the six. It's sporty. Well, I like it because it's short. It's short, but mean. You can't see the green in the tea at all. No, it's because of the little hill right in front of the green. And there's one thing, Miss Trent. If you get a good shot over the hill onto the green, you can go out and park. Well, if I get a good shot, I'll go over the green and land in a patch of berry bushes. Darn, I hear comes Mr. Farris and Mr. Gifford. Ask him to go through, Miss Trent, again. Um, you, you sure you people don't want to go on through? Perfectly sure, Miss Trent. Don't fret about us. Okay. Um, Stubby, will you run on ahead so you can see where I land? And, and when you get to the top of the hill, signal, huh? In just a moment, Betty Davis will be back. Do you know the story of Happy Mountain? Happy Mountain is the name of an orphanage, a community of hope for the lost children of Korea. Shortly after the Korean conflict, American troops in Busan built it when they discovered that somebody had to do something about the homeless kids wandering the war-torn streets, living on scraps of garbage. The money came from individual contributions, chaplains' funds, unit funds, many places. It grew from a solitary structure to 18 buildings handling some 1,400 child orphans. They received shelter, food, clothing, and medical help. But Happy Mountain is just one example. For men of the United States Armed Forces have donated over a half million dollars for the building of various institutions, orphanages, schools, hospitals, and churches in Korea. The generosity of these men gives us a thought to remember. We are Americans. As we go, so goes America. To our story with Betty Davies. As Stubby ran on ahead, he was saying furious small boy swear words under his breath. Miss Trent, he told himself, was sure stuck on Mr. Ferris. He had to do something, and he had to do it fast. He was thinking hard as he signaled to Miss Trent. He drove as he watched the ball. A good straight drive. 
Even though Mr. Ferris and Miss Gifford are watching. Zowie. She's only about three feet from the cup. She'll have a birdie. She's never had one before. Okay, Miss Trent. Watch out for our shoes, Stubby. They're going to make their drives without waiting. They would. Hope Miss Gifford goes in the berry bushes. Darn the luck. She's right beside Miss Trent. Mr. Ferris is a whole foot nearer to the cup than the two women are. It's just my goat. Miss Trent deserves a break. And she's going to have it. None of them can see me. I've just got time. Yeah, no. That's that. They rose up over the hill as stubborn. Trying not to look guilty, watched from the edge of the green. Dwight Ferris was in the lead, Flora Gifford right after him. Miss Trent a good ten yards behind. It was Dwight who spoke. Did I overshoot as usual, Stubby? No, sir. There you are. One puddle gives you a birdie. And you're right beside me, Flora. Oh, you're wonderful, darling. Oh, Stubby, now don't tell me I'm in the rough. Oh, when you called okay, I hoped against hope that maybe it looked like it was going straight, Miss Trent. I just took my eyes off for a minute and... Uh, what ball were you playing, Miss Trent? Um, Silver Eagle. Well, I'll, I knew. I'll help you hunt through the rough, Stubby. Oh, don't, don't bother, Mr. Ferris. Stubby and I'll look after you two go on. I've been holding you up for ages. Well, if, uh, if you're sure you don't mind, Miss Trent... <sighs> a birdie for Uncle Dwight. <laughs> well, I'll just get my ball out of the cup and... Oh, there's a ball in the cup. Oh, there's a ball in the cup already. Uh, Miss Trent, did you say a silver eagle? there was a party at the club. The president of the club was there and the club champion. And Flora Gifford was there on its portal. And Dwight Ferris was there and so were the board of governors on match. Stubby was watching through a window when they put Miss Trent's name on the board after the name of the man who'd made a hole-in-one seven years before. They were the only two who ever made a hole-in-one at Aldersby. When the people started clapping, the eagles began to cry. Here, take my handkerchief home. Thanks, Mike. I'm a fool, but I, I, I am so excited. You look like a little girl with her first Christmas party. Uh, a round of champagne, folks. We'll toast the new champion. I, I know champions. Why? I was standing there when you drove. It was a darn pretty drive. <laughs> Come on over, Flora, and drink Olive's health. What do you know? She's walking out of the room. She's pretending that she didn't hear me. Oh, what a bum sport. Well, maybe she didn't hear you. And besides, it, it's ridiculous. It, it was only a stroke of luck that I made it. It was a stroke of luck for me, all right. You know why, Olive? 
No, I don't. Well, then I'll tell you. Your hole-in-one brought me luck, Olive, because it made me see you. Really see you. For the first time. Huh. Here's the champagne. Take your glass. Uh-huh. For me. Is everybody getting theirs? All right, here's the toast. Olive Prince. Alder Creek's own Annie Oakley. Yeah, go to it, Olive. Speak. Oh, I, I can't. You must. All right, now, pipe down, folks. Come on. Listen to the ladies. Well, then, I, I want to say that I have never been so happy before in my whole life. I, I, I feel as if I've just been born. That the whole world opened up in front of me. And I, I want to say that I, I wouldn't have made that hole in one if it hadn't been for my caddy. Steady, Steady's been so patient with me. He's taught me everything that I know. Now, he deserves the hand, not I. Watching from the outside with Tony Martini felt hot guilt rising up to choke him. He was glad that it was dark. Too dark for the pro to see his expression. He flinched when Tony spoke. You get that, Stubby? You're right. Miss Clint is some gal. Tony, I... I was responsible. I gotta tell you, and then I gotta go and tell everybody. Wait a minute, what do you mean? She wouldn't have made that hole-in-one, but for me, I pushed the ball into the cup with my foot. You little stinker. You see her in there? First time she ever looked pretty. Now, if you tell, you'll ruin things for her. I know. So we'll keep it to ourselves. You'll have to carry your conscience around with you forever, Stubby. It'll be a punishment for doing what you did. But we can't spoil her life. And from the way things look, that's what it would amount to. who should take the credit for success or failure. And sometimes it's a sudden, tragic emergency, death striking out of nowhere, that brings failure to a whole family. It was so with the Parnells, for after her husband's death, Mad Parnell lost her grip on things and ceased to do her duty by her son. All too often we ignore the living because we're grieving for our dear dead. But the ones who have gone ahead are safe. They're in his hands. And we still owe a debt to those who are on this earth and may need us desperately. I'll bring you the challenging story of Mad Parnell. Until then, 
This is Betty Davis saying goodbye from the whispering street. Today's program was written by Marguerite E. Sankster. Featured in the cast were Virginia Eiler, Jack Moyle, Ken Peters, and Dick Zeller. Whispering Street was directed by Gordon T. Hughes and produced by Ted Lloyd. Your announcer is Dan Coverley. Whispering Street has come to you through the worldwide facilities of the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service.